What's up, Kentucky hikers? This is Media Mike with your Kentucky Hiker Project podcast for Sunday, June 19th, 2022. Happy Father's Day, happy Juneteenth, and uh, happy anniversary to my in-laws celebrating 51 years of marriage today. Good job, guys. Today's episode is uh, benefiting Kentucky Natural Lands Trust, whose job it is to secure and expand our public lands. And they have one of the most exciting projects in our region going on. It's the Pine Mountain Wildlands Corridor. And they've been adding hundreds of acres uh, on that part of, in that part of Kentucky. And uh, they do a great job. So the first goal for this podcast is to raise $1,000 for that organization to help further their work. And today's episode, we're going to talk about White's Branch Arch. And basically, there were four arches and four overlooks on that hike. Um, and to keep with the theme of four, we're going to talk about uh, the fourth Leave No Trace principle, which is leave what you find. Uh, we'll also talk a little bit about leaf litter and why it matters and, uh, you know, how not to get lost, which recently happened uh, with a search and rescue operation just yesterday, I believe. Um, today's episode sponsor is Hops at Red River Gorge, where I enjoy Taco Tuesday pretty regularly. I like that place. It's delicious. They have the biggest selection of beer anywhere in Red River Gorge, and uh, they have a newly expanded bar, which I'm looking forward to check out on uh, Friday this week. And uh, let's see, so the featured hike, let's just kind of roll through that. Uh, you can see it on the website. You can go to KentuckyHiker.org, and you can just go to the re most recent hike section, or you can uh, just see it from the homepage. And basically, this was an 11-mile hike, about 2,000 feet of elevation gain. It's a loop with some spurs. Uh, most of it, most of the hike occurs on uh, marked trails with a small portion of it being off trail, uh, and it does require a pretty serious uh, class four scramble. And if you're not familiar with what that terminology means, it basically just means that you're gonna have to go down some rock and rope would be required. Uh, for any climbers that are in the room, uh, especially off width climbers, uh, this is probably not a big deal. You wouldn't even need the rope. Uh, you can just wedge your feet into this little crack in the rocks and it's actually pretty nice. But anyway, so this hike, uh, I actually started it at Natural Bridge State Resort Park. Uh, and went through the Sand Gap Trail, which was really uh, something that's been on my list for a very long time. Had read lots about it, but uh, had just never gotten around to, uh, you know, making it out onto that trail. Uh, a lot of the reports that are out there just say it's overgrown, it's kind of a pain in the neck, it's not well maintained, uh, yada yada. And the reality is that um, actually it's pretty well maintained, it's extremely well marked, uh, it's a really nice, uh, peaceful trail. Uh, I don't think it gets a lot of traffic just because of the additional mileage there, uh, but it's just, uh, it was a really nice, you know, five plus mile walk uh, before getting to Sheltoe Trace, which uh, intersects and that kind of took us down to the spur um, to White's Branch Arch, Ramp Arch, and Twilight Arch. And so those were three arches just kind of all sitting pretty close together along with overlooks to go with it. And so this was a really nice hike. Um, not everybody's up for an 11 mile hike. And so this is kind of the longest way uh, to get to these destinations. There's actually a much shorter way, um, either by having a more direct approach through Natural Bridge uh, or coming up from the south off of the road there. And so um, this was just really uh, just, I mean, five, six miles of complete solitude. The only person that I ran across was a park staffer uh, who looked like she was just out having her morning walk. And then um, it was just a, a really quiet time in the woods. And uh, as far as the overgrowth that's been reported and down trees and that kind of stuff, there were a few trees that crossed the trail, but for the most part, it was uh, pretty, pretty easy to navigate. 
um, extremely well marked. And one thing that was kind of neat was that they have uh, mile markers that tell you how far you are uh, from getting back to Natural Bridge. And so as you're uh, moving along the trail, um, you know, you go uphill and then eventually reach the ridge top. But along the way, it tells you how far you are uh, from, you know, finishing the loop up to Natural Bridge. Um, there's a couple of small views on the way up. Um, not something that's really that big, but then eventually what happens is you take Sand Gap Trail and then you intersect with Sheltoe, which is really uh, well marked. It's fenced off and there's a narrow little pathway there that you can take uh, south in order to basically get to the three arches and then three overlooks that are over there. So as you go south, uh, one of the things that a lot of people have trouble with and some of the things that I read with trail reports that were out there um, is knowing where to turn. Uh, in order to get down to the arch. And then, of course, you have the, the next problem, which is uh, descending the rope. And so, you know, if you're not physically capable of, you know, uh, supporting your body weight, you know, through your hand grip and then also uh, upper body and core strength, then this is de definitely not going to be a great hike. But you can skip that portion and still wind up hitting um, Twilight Arch and a couple of overlooks there um, that are really nice. And so those in and of themselves are actually really worthwhile destinations. Uh, the only things that you'll miss would be White's Branch Arch and then Ramp Arch, uh, which, you know, they're they're pretty nice. They're beautiful arches, uh, but they're not certainly not, you know, destination type arches where you're going to say, oh, I'm going to plan a whole trip around just this. <clears throat> as far as that scramble that goes down, um, essentially what you do is you just kind of come off of uh, the top of the ridge and you'll see a really nice pathway there um, on dirt. And so there's a rock path that is Sheltoe Trace and then on the right hand side as you approach there's a nice little dirt path and so you can just kind of uh, walk it and then you'll start descending down a little bit of rock some basic scrambling um, you know down on some rock and then you get to the rope where you really have to um, you know be at least in somewhat decent physical shape to get down uh, it's a little bit sketchy because you just never really know about the rope it's affixed to a piece of root uh, it's a pretty good size root, uh, but at the same time, I've seen so many roots that have snapped over the years um, that formerly had rope or, uh, or were used as footholds. Um, you can see that kind of stuff all throughout Red River Gorge just from heavy trail usage. So the rope, you know, do an inspection beforehand. I took a look at it, uh, gave it some good pull as far as weight, and it seemed like it was in pretty good shape at the time that I hiked this. And so whoever it is that actually fixed the rope, they did a nice job. The, nights, the knots were in good shape. And then there were also a couple of uh, loops uh, along the rope line going down, uh, which were also very helpful. Um, basically, once you get down, you can, uh, you'll wrap back around, you kind of turn back north, and then uh, there's kind of that first tier that you'll come to, and then uh, you'll walk around, and then you'll just find White's Branch Arch right there. It's kind of a three-tier uh, cliff line, and so the first tier at the top is Sheltoe Trace, and that's the main trail. Underneath that is uh, White's Branch Arch, and so that's kind of the second tier. And so you can go over there, check out the arch. Uh, it's similar in um, structure to Stargap Arch, uh, not quite as pretty uh, because Stargap has a lot of really neat um, striations going through it underneath, but it's a very similar feel. Uh, the big difference, though, is that when you look at the holler, so White's Branch um, is down below, and so that holler is really deep. Um, I walked over, you know, kind of past the arch a little bit and then peered down and uh, kind of got a little case of the willies, you know, when you're standing a little high. 
but um, it was pretty nice, and um, and that part I thought was really neat and kind of set it apart from Stargap Arch. Um, the view from uh, inside of the arch is actually really nice as well. It uh, looks like there's a little maple that's coming up there, um, kind of blocking some of the view, but it's uh, it's kind of nice to have. And then really uh, the best uh, you know kind of spot is if you kind of go underneath the arch uh, toward the far side and then look back, and you can really see some neat... Um, really neat sandstone and just the patterning there is really nice. Uh, I did do a 180 degree pano, uh, which that picture actually turned out all right. And you can see that on the post on the website. And so once you're kind of done at White's Branch Arch, then you can kind of uh, go back to where the rope was. And if you look down, um, you know, kind of diagonally down, down, you know, from the corner of the rock formation, uh, you'll see some disturbed uh, leaf litter. And that's really the, that's kind of the trail to Ramp Arch. And so um, the pathway to White's Branch Arch is right along the cliff line, um, you know, sandy and rocky. Um, and then you have to kind of come off of that to get down to that third tier, which is where you'll find Ramp Arch. And that's actually the base of the cliff line. So Ramp Arch was really neat. It reminded me a lot of uh, Cascade uh, Natural Bridge at Carter Caves State Resort Park. Uh, the formation, it's very similar. It's a gigantic, um, you know, arch, and you can kind of see three different layers of sandstone. So the first layer is pretty lightly colored, and then the next one gets a little bit darker, and then the final layer that is kind of ramp arch, um, it has a nice uh, golden yellow type hue, and, um, and it really made for some nice photographs while I was down there. But um, the ramp part of it, the reason it's named uh, ramp arch is that uh, you can probably walk up the arch. I wouldn't advise it, but I know that there's some people who are pretty, uh, <laughs> a little more enthusiastic about these sorts of things. Um, but the view from, uh, from below is just gorgeous. Uh, and if you take a look, there is, um, you know, it's not a wide opening arch. It's actually a really thin opening where the rock layers separate. And, um, and so if you just kind of walk underneath the arch, you'll really come to appreciate um, how pretty it is. And so, um, you know, kudos to Red River Underground for posting this, uh, you know, uh, a variation of this hike on YouTube. And that kind of gave me the idea to come down. Uh, probably wouldn't have known about Ramp Arch without that. Um, but it looks like it's a pretty well-traveled trail. Lots of footprints down there. Um, plenty of uh, disturbed leaf litter up above. And so it's definitely been visited quite a bit. Um, and then the one thing I would say is while you're down there, uh, just make sure that you are careful not to disturb the vegetation that's underneath um, the rock shelter and arch and it's mainly because uh, it's tough growing conditions there and so you never know what you're really disturbing especially if you're not a biologist. Um, the other thing is that there were some really cool rocks. Uh, probably the coolest rocks I've ever seen uh, were laying underneath ramp arch and so um, the color on them was really strange because it was uh, almost like a marbly type white. Um, the stone itself i'm not really sure what it was but the the erosion patterns were just incredible it almost looked like a fossilized dinosaur or something like that um, but it was just a really strange thing so if you're a geologist and you see that picture where i say it's the weirdest rock i've seen um you know certainly uh, drop an email you can send it to hello at kentuckyhiker.com i'd be interested on some thoughts on that or you can leave it in the comments on the post uh, also down there was a little bit of litter from a long time ago um, it was a, the, a can lid to a Pabst Blue Ribbon beer. 
And this was the old school pull tab, which I believe was from 1965 to 1975 is when they were more popular. And uh, of course it says, please don't litter. And you know, it's right there. Uh, what is that? 50 years later? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but, uh, you know, I took in Ramp Arch. It was really fun, really nice uh, place to be. Um, if you're looking for a water source, if you're backpacking in the area, you would have to descend even further down from there in order to find a water source. There wasn't anything that was uh, even close uh, to that cliff line. And uh, that would be a full bushwhack to any water source down there. So it's advisable to carry as much as you can because most of this hike actually occurs on the ridge line. And once you depart Sand Gap Trail, there are no water sources readily available. Um, so after I hit the arches, uh, then it was time to go hit the overlooks. White's Branch Arch, so there's an overlook inside of the arch. There's an overlook on top of the arch. Um, and then you just kind of retrace your steps back up Sheltoe Trace. And so I just took the remnants of an old forest road there. Um, there was some heavy deadfall. And so when you look at the map, and especially the zoomed in map that I put on there, um, you'll see almost like a triangle formation right there. That southern part of that triangle, I would not do. Um, I would just go up and just go to the fork, which is a really nice, um, well-traveled trail. Um, without nearly as much obstructions or uh, thorny things, which is always a pain in the butt when you're out, out there off trail. So anyway, but the trail, um, so the next little fork goes out to Twilight Arch and then also to another overlook, but that for lack of a better name, I just looked at an old USGS map and it was Crow Drive Overlook or Crow Drive Creek down below. So I just gave it that name. It's technically unnamed, but, you know, just for reference, if you do have a USGS map pulled up, um, that's kind of what it's uh, on top of. So the overlook um, from Crow Drive Creek, which is kind of the, the better defined of the two trails, it's essentially double track that goes all the way out um, until you reach the, you know, the end of the ridge line. And there it's a really nice, peaceful overlook. Uh, I can imagine if you are backpacking in the area, this is kind of the ideal place to set up camp. Um, it is outside of Natural Bridge State Resort Park, and it's inside of Daniel Boone National Forest, so you can pretty much set up camp uh, anywhere, at least as long as it's uh, 300 feet off of the off of the trace there. And uh, it's relatively flattish ground, and then the overlook itself is a you know kind of has multiple pieces of rock out there, and uh, you could even cowboy camp out there when it's nice and warm. Uh, Coming, you kind of come back and retrace your steps, and there's a, a little fork to a less defined trail, and that's mainly because it's more overgrown. When you're up on the ridges down at Red River Gorge, there's a lot of just, um, you know, just thin uh, underbrush and, you know, plenty of pricklies. And so uh, you just kind of walk out that next little finger, and um, what you'll find is uh, Twilight Arch, and then uh, just past Twilight Arch is uh, a really premium just a premium overlook great for sunset uh west facing views and uh it would be a great spot um you know late day or you know right you know as you're making camp or whatever out there really good spot um twilight arch itself it's it's kind of a neat little arch um maybe not the prettiest uh certainly not uh the prettiest by any stretch but you know a worthwhile visit and a nice little arch to be sure um once you're kind of done, so that's basically you've hit, you know, the three arches, White's Branch, Twilight, and Ramp Arch, and then you have the three different overlooks out there. Uh, then it's time to kind of head back in. And so just, you know, kind of going back north on Sheltoe, 
until you get back inside of the Natural Bridge State Park uh, boundary. You'll follow that trail, uh, continue straight on, and then eventually you'll meander your way back uh, toward Natural Bridge. Uh, it's really well signed um, going at, going back, and so uh, on the post you'll see the GPS waypoints for each of the different trail intersections. You can just plug those into your phone, pop them open in Google Maps, and just save them, and then those will just act as breadcrumbs uh, on your way back. And then eventually uh, you get back to the Natural Bridge area, and of course uh, I was there on a Monday, and even on a Monday, uh, still plenty of people up top, um, you know, taking in the views and enjoying the arch. Um, from there, I drop down and then underneath the Natural Bridge and then on the far side, um, you'll see a sign uh, there that uh, just says Rock Garden Trail and Skylift Parking. And so just make a left there and start walk making your way down. Um, this Rock Garden Trail is a trail that I haven't been on uh, before, but it was really interesting geologically. Um, each of the different types of erosion patterns uh, that are commonplace down at Red River Gorge are on display uh, on that trail. And so that was really neat. And then one of the bonuses on the way down is the uh, what I call the Rock Garden Window Complex. And so I don't know if any of those are really three feet wide to qualify as an arch, but, you know, when it comes down to uh, just a really neat piece of, uh, you know, rock, it was gorgeous. I, you know, I'm looking at this picture right now, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And there's at least nine uh, windows that I count just from the one picture. There's probably more than that, um, but it's a really nice stop. And then eventually uh, you'll make your way down below the sky lift. And so um, the chairlift wasn't running when uh, I was descending. And so I eventually got down to the parking lot and there was only one car besides mine left and it was from New York with New York plates. And so I'm just hoping that those guys uh, knew that the lift stopped working at some point and uh, or they were just opting to walk down. So, you know, otherwise it would kind of suck <laughs> if you were expecting a ride, right? Um, there's also kind of a false arch that actually has, um, you know, yeah, just a little bit past that, there's a little false arch there. It has a big hole in it, and actually it kind of looks like one of those little uh, Egyptian-type um, sculptures, uh, now that I'm looking at it right now, but I just called it a false arch. And then on the way down, it's actually a really steep trail going down. This would have been a real, um, this would have gotten the heart rate up if you came up this way. Uh, but going down, it wasn't too bad. Uh, but there are just tons of stone steps uh, that were uh, hand-carved, you know, just, uh, I mean, the old Civilian Conservation Corps um, was responsible for a lot of this work. And, you know, just to think of people back in the day uh, chiseling this stuff out, it's like, man, you got to be kidding me. So uh, they're extremely well-worn, uh, but plenty safe. I would imagine they'd be pretty slick uh, when it's raining, so uh, definitely better to, to do it when, you're, when it's dry. Um, and then eventually you get down to the Skylift parking lot. Uh, there's an intersection to go down to Low Gap Trail, and then you, you pop out kind of on the opposite side of the parking lot where you started. And um, to my uh, amazement, I uh, walked around by the Skylift and uh, they had some vending machines that had an orange cream AL8, which I was real happy with uh, because I was a little parched when I got done. But, you know, that's basically the hike. I mean, you get four overlooks, four arches. You know, it's an adventurous type hike because part of it is off trail, although the off trail portions are pretty easy to navigate relative to some of the other uh, off-trail objectives that I know that uh, I've been to. 
Um, and you know, the biggest thing that you have to deal with in order to get to White's Branch Arch and Ramp Arch is really just descending and ascending that rope. I will tell you that while I was down there, um, I was just kind of exploring that cliff line and, uh, you know, just wanted to see what was kind of around the other side of it. And as I was coming back up, there was just some, you know, vegetation or whatever that obstructed my view. And I absolutely nailed, I mean, fucking nailed <laughs> my quad, uh, which is still bruised today, a couple of weeks later. And, uh, I was just glad I didn't wind up with a puncture wound because it was a splintered, uh, log that was not small. And, uh, you know, kind of just put my full force and weight into that, which sucked. So anyway, but looking at the, uh, looking at this hike on the website, there are a total of 17 different GPS waypoints. I did post the GPX and the KML files um, just so that you can download it. You can insert the GPX file into your preferred app. Uh, KML file, you can actually on your computer, you can download that, add it to your Google Maps. And as long as you're logged in, uh, the next time you pull up Google Maps, it'll show up there. So uh, if you ever uh, wanted to kind of have these hikes uh, on your phone while you're out there, you can download them in advance. You don't have to worry about whether or not you have a connection. Um, or any cell service. And I can just tell you that when I go out into uh, some off-trail exploring and such, I always turn my phone to uh, airplane mode and I turn off the Wi-Fi and I turn on the do not disturb. And so that way, you know, I can just go out and hike and then I can just trace my path. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. So that was the hike. Um, it's a really nice one. I've been really into um, doing some of these longer routes. Um, but I can just tell you that this route, it's 11 miles. You can cut off uh, better than two miles, make it closer to eight or nine uh, just by taking, you know, the more common trailhead, uh, you know, at the lakeside lot and coming up that way through uh, original trail. So, you know, that's uh, another way to make this a little bit shorter. Anyway. All right. So. Oh, and uh, just so you know, this is brought to you by. You're going to love this. This is actually a real product. All right. This is not some fake ad. This is actually a real ad. All right. Well, they didn't pay for it, but anyway, Velveeta cheese nail polish. That's right. You can get yourself some Velveeta cheese nail polish that by the way is scented. All right. And so you can go crush that anytime you want all summer long. It's part of Velveeta's new branding campaign. Thank God for marketers, right? But quick side note on Velveeta. All right. Years ago, I was sent to go pick up Velveeta from the grocery store. I have never, I had never ever uh, bought Velveeta in my life. Right. So, you know, it's Velveeta cheese. And so I went to where the cheeses are. Right. And I could not find Velveeta cheese as it turns out, because I had to make a phone call to figure out where it is. It's shelf stable. So it doesn't go in the refrigerated section. And in fact, it's not even really cheese. They just call it cheese. Anyway, pretty gross, but uh, it does make for a decent broccoli casserole. Anyway, all right. Uh, and then, so as far as Leave No Trace goes, this is kind of funny. So on this hike, uh, I did find that PBR uh, you know, lid. And so you know, the fourth principle of Leave No Trace is leave what you find. And so generally speaking, unless it's just trash, uh, you know, I'll pick up trash all day and night, but, um, you know, old things like this that kind of fit into like, Hey, that's kind of neat category. Uh, I'll leave that stuff there because if I thought it was neat, somebody else is probably gonna think it's neat too. I mean, that is a 50 plus year old piece of 
beer history, right? Um, the other thing is that I left the rope there as well because, you know, um, these user trails, so technically it is um, against the rules to create new user trails and that kind of stuff. Um, even though Daniel Boone National Forest is actually an open forest, meaning that you can travel essentially wherever you want. Um, the main thing is that Forest Service doesn't want you out there creating new trails, uh, creating spaghetti trails, which is a common problem at uh, Eagle Point Buttress, you know, going up from the river. Um, it's a huge problem on Coppers Creek. Um, but spaghetti trails are basically when you have a lot of different users making a lot of different trails. And it doesn't really take a whole lot uh, to, to make a trail. Um, you could probably go in with maybe, uh, it probably only takes maybe 10 people to really tamp down uh, a part of trail that can suddenly turn into, you know, a barren uh, piece of dirt. And so um, it just kind of starts with just a few people taking the same path, and that's uh, that's how you get established uh, new trails. So anyway, uh, I leave what I find for the most part, um, you know, unless it's garbage. But um, the rope there, and there, there are different places throughout the gorge. So up on Tar Ridge, uh, Overlooks 3 and 4 both have much lower quality rope uh, attached. Uh, one of them kind of felt like it was like from a pool, uh, which I wouldn't exactly trust with uh, my body weight, you know, especially not at medium mic, you know, size right now, muffin top included. Anyway, but um, yeah, so leave what you find while you're out there. If somebody think, if you think it's neat, somebody else probably thinks it's neat, and so just kind of leave it be. Um, if somebody did come in and pick up that PBR can, you know, it's like nobody's going to suffer, right? But if you remove the rope there, then it might be a bit of a problem. Um, I will say this, that uh, I always carry about 100 feet of paracord that can be braided and, you know, do whatever in order to, and I use that only to set kind of uh, hand assist lines. And so there's been a couple of places where, you know, it was just steep, uh, like a steep scramble and it and just helped to have that for kind of a balancing hold. Um, if you're going to do something with your full body weight, that needs to be, you know, real climbing rope, which is exactly what's sitting at uh, White's Branch Arch. All right. And then, um, oh, and uh, this episode is also brought to you by our friends at J&H Landmark, who have been our Kentucky's uh, outfitter since 1972. It's also where I picked up LaFonda's climbing gear uh, for Christmas. So I actually, uh, it's not local to me because I live in northern Kentucky, but it's kind of local when I'm driving to the gorge or to Big South Fork. Uh, it's just a little, little detour on the way. But uh, also picked up a really nice uh, summer bag there. Um, and so the summer bag, it's actually worked out really well. I've used it for uh, all kinds of things, including... You know, when we have three dudes in one hotel room, uh, I'll usually take the floor and sleep on my air mattress and bring that bag with me, which has been great. Uh, I actually sleep better on an air mattress than I do on normal beds, which I don't know. I don't know if that's good or bad. We'll see. All right. And then on this hike, uh, just as far as building some hiking skills, uh, the one thing that I would tell you is that uh, there are probably two times as many miles of user-created trails in Red River Gorge than there are official trails. So the official trail system, including Sheltoe Trace, is 80-some-odd miles, I believe. And uh, I would wager that there's probably 160-plus miles uh, throughout that region of user-created trails. On this particular hike that we just talked about, um, you know, those spurs are technically user-created trails. 
Um, a lot of these trails are actually on old, uh, disused forest service roads. And so back in the day, you used to actually be able to drive on top of White's Branch Arch uh, on that little section. It's called the Narrows. And, um, and then there were offshoots from there. And then all throughout uh, Daniel Boone National Forest, there are tons of old forest roads um, that you can use as a little bit faster travel. And there are plenty of good things to see off of there. Um, and so it's kind of like, you know, you go throughout uh, Red River Gorge and you'll see a little path here, a little path there. Um, a lot of those paths will intersect with old forest roads. And once you kind of learn how to spot them, it'll be pretty easy. But getting back to the leaf litter thing, so I wasn't sure where uh, Ramp Arch was exactly. I knew it was somewhere in the vicinity of White's Branch Arch because it appeared on the same video that I saw on YouTube from uh, Red River Gorge or Red River Underground. Um, but I wasn't sure exactly how to get there. And so uh, I knew the arch was embedded in the cliff face. And I also knew that it was, uh, you know, somewhere, you know, off of one of these spurs. Okay. The way that I was able to figure out where it was is just by looking down. Once I came down the rope, I looked down, I saw a bunch of leaf litter that had been disturbed. And so disturbed leaf litter usually only means one of two things. Either one, um, other hikers have been there, or two, it's a drainage area where uh, water runoff will kind of disturb the leaf litter. And so uh, when you're out there hiking off trail, it really pays a great deal uh, to understand, you know, to be able to pick up on these things visually. And then the other part too is that when you're on well-traveled trails, um, you can actually feel under your feet how firm uh, the ground is. And so the ground uh, on the way out to Ramp Arch, it was very firm. It wound up going to single track, um, you know, just thin user trail, um, but it was well-defined and easy to follow once you got there. The only key piece was that you had to identify where the leaf litter was disturbed, okay? And, <laughs> and this episode is definitely not sponsored by Nymph Ticks. So Nymph Ticks have been a real pain in the ass for me and for LaFonda, for my buddy Dave, uh, for plenty of people. And we have found them in, well, sucking blood out of us from the taint the nipple, and even a butthole. That was actually my butthole. That actually happened. I was like, LaFonda, I need some help. Yeah, that, that, that's a real story. I can't stand nymph ticks, and it's whatever reason, they love to crawl up into your underline, underwear line and then beyond. And uh, I've had a number of different tick bites um, this year, and it seems like they were it's been pretty bad so far this year, but those little tiny guys, they're hard to spot because they are really small. You need some really fine uh, tweezers to get them out. And then of course, you always need to check for Lyme disease. So if you look for a bullseye rash, you know, then that means that you need to get to the doctor and get some antibiotics. So LaFonda has a heart condition, congestive heart failure technically. And uh, let's just say Lyme disease is pretty bad uh, for someone with that type of condition. And so whenever she gets a, a tick bite, then it's just an antibiotic regimen uh, immediately. All right. And then on today's Q&A, how not to get lost. This was so a while back. I'd asked you guys to send in some questions. And uh, this was by far the number one question. You know, how do you get out there and how do you avoid getting lost? And so while I can sit here and tell you all about how important it is to have uh, map and compass skills, to be able to read 
uh, topography to be able to uh, understand kind of where you are in relative spatial terms. The reality is that most people are not going to carry uh, a paper map. They're not going to have a compass, and they're probably not going to have the skills to use both, right? And so most people just rely on their phones and um, and use GPS, especially with the introduction of apps like All Trails, um, which is you know we <laughs> I often think of All Fails, uh, and it's just because there are so many people that use that app uh, that fail to reach the hiking uh, objective for the day. And so while crowdsourcing has been great because it'll give you a lot of information about a hike, um, the GPS tracks are not always trustworthy. Uh, the one thing that I do after every hike when I post the uh, map on the website, I always go back, comb through the, uh, the GPS uh, route, and then make little adjustments in order to compensate for, um, you know, if you're in a deep, uh, you know, gorge surrounded by cliffs, the GPS accuracy is quite a bit less than if you're up on a ridge top in sunny skies. And so um, if you want to avoid getting lost, I would say the first thing that I would do is download an, an activity tracker. Um, and that could be all trails. That could be, uh, I use Runkeeper is my personal one. Uh, Strava is another one that's out there that's extremely popular. Um, but any type of GPS activity tracker um, that displays a map as you go is going to be the best way to avoid getting lost. The reason being is that at any point in time, you can refer back to that map, even if you're offline, even if you have no cell service whatsoever, and you can simply retrace your steps that you've already taken and just follow the little path. And then that way you can always avoid getting lost simply by backtracking. Now, a couple caveats there. First off, uh, these apps are known to fail. I know that my RunKeeper has failed on numerous occasions uh, while I'm out there, and it could just be software glitches, whatever, that kind of thing. And so that is uh, one thing that you know you can do that part. But the better part is really to use that activity tracker and then to always download the waypoints um, that are uh, listed on the website. And so those all open Google Map links. All you have to do is hit the Save button. You can label it, and you can just you know label it however you want. You can just use the same one that I already have on the website. On the most recent hike, there were 17 different waypoints, which uh, denoted you know, points of interest, so like the four arches, the four overlooks, those were all listed there, all of the trail intersections, and so those act as breadcrumbs. In addition to that, all right, so this is the third piece, is that uh, you can also um, just take pictures, and as long as you have your uh, GPS enabled, um, those pictures will record a GPS point, and then you can just look back at your photos. Um, you can just swipe up and then it'll open up, you know, kind of the location where it was taken. And wh whether you have service or not, you can always use your map and it will give you kind of an idea of where you're going. Now, um, ideally what I like to do to do this perfectly um, is that before I get someplace, I will download the offline map, um, which you can do on Google. And so, um, I download the offline map so that I have an idea of where all the different roads are, just in case I need to bail out and make an exit. Um, and then the other part that I do is that um, I will actually pull up the topographic map. So if you just pull up the topo portion or the terrain layer on Google Maps, if you just open that up, that will save to your um, app's cache. And then from there, you can go to airplane mode. You can turn off your Wi-Fi. 
and you can put it on do not disturb. And then that way, that portion, that area that you're gonna be hiking, it'll all be, be displayed on that map and you can refer back to that as well. So using your phone, there is a little bit of skill involved there. Um, essentially, um, the biggest reason that I don't like to have the cell service on or the Wi-Fi on is that it burns battery. And so if you are in a ravine and you are trying and your phone is just constantly searching for signal, it just burns up your battery really quickly. Um, and then the other part too is that you should always bring a battery brick so you can charge your phone while you're out there just in case you're out longer than expected. All right. So how to avoid getting lost. That is kind of the more modern way to do it. Um, I still prefer map and compass skills, um, but that's something that I can't really teach you on a podcast. That's something that, uh, you know, you do that in person. All right. So that pretty much covers it. And uh, I just want to give a quick shout out to my buddy, Lord Colonel Bork. Uh, I'll tell you about his uh, trail name some other day, uh, but uh, appreciate him. Uh, he gave me a, uh, just out of the blue, a Sawstone Brewing Company t-shirt and uh, framed up a picture uh, of us when we were hiking to the top of Double Top in uh, Baxter State Park up in the north woods of Maine. And so that's sitting right behind my microphone right now. So thanks, Bork. Appreciate that. All right. And then to wrap things up, uh, so Kentucky Natural Lands Trust is the uh, beneficiary of today's episode. Dropped a 20 spot to those guys before we got started or before I got started. And then, um, you know, basically one of the most exciting projects, it is the Pine Mountain um, Wildlands Corridor. It's the biggest uh, conservation project in this region of the country. And uh, they've been securing hundreds of acres at a time each year, um, slowly but surely piecing together a large tract of uh, public lands out there. Uh, it's being kind of divvied up between wildlife management areas. Um, a couple of the spots uh, will wind up being uh, state nature preserves. Other portions, I'm sure, will be incorporated into either the state forest. Um, and then, of course, the ridgeline on top will be dedicated to the Pine Mountain State Scenic Trail, which is uh, my favorite trail in Kentucky, um, with the biggest views anywhere found in the Commonwealth. So uh, 20 bucks for the good guys. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Really appreciate it. This was a first stab at the old podcast, so I'm sure it'll get better over time. And uh, I'll look forward to talking to you again. Thanks.